welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Selena Resvani. Selena is a popular leadership speaker and inclusion consultant, as well as a LinkedIn learning instructor. In fact, her LinkedIn learning course is on executive presence, the topic of today's podcast. Selena writes a column for Philadelphia Magazine on how to make work work and hosts a weekly show on LinkedIn Live, all about ways to elevate women at work. I was privileged to be a guest on that show. Selena recorded a 321i relaunch podcast with us about a year ago on how to brag about yourself without sounding obnoxious and how to reach out to people to help you in your job search without coming across as opportunistic. And she told us at the time that that is all about how to demonstrate executive presence. So we're going to get into that topic more deeply and think especially about how it applies to relaunchers who are changing their context from a career break and whatever they're doing on their career break to a work environment. So essentially, we're getting kind of a crash course on what executive presence is and how to attain it. Uh, Selena, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. I love your mission and what you're doing with this podcast. So it's great to be here and join forces. Well, we love having you as a guest and having you as a guest again. Uh, So I want to start by defining executive presence. Can you tell us what it is and what it means? Yes. You know, it's a funny term, isn't it? Because you could ask people what it is, you'll get at least a dozen different answers. But here's what's fascinating to me about it. We all know executive presence when we see it. You know, Mm. we can say ding, 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 they've got it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so here's what it is. It is the ability to project authority and communicate confidence, okay, and authenticity. So this is not about being a confident robot. It's being Mm -hmm. confidently you. Um, And I want to stress, this is not some it factor that's just for a few lucky people, you know, who happen to be born with it. No, uh, there are very few naturals. More often, it's a quality that's made. So know that this is something you can grow and practice and improve. Excellent, because that's exactly where I want to go next, because I was thinking when you were first describing it, is it charisma? Is it something you're born with? Or can you learn it? So I, it sounds like you can learn it. And I want to know if uh, we can break it down and you can maybe talk us through it component by component. Yes, yes. Um, I gave you, you know, my higher level description of it, but I actually define executive presence, breaking it down into three kind of overarching filters. And so the first one I talk about is self-confidence. In other words, how you act, how you act. And you can improve this in a few ways. I'll give you um, some tips and ideas here. But the first is figuring out your own inner dialogue. 
you know, programming on purpose your own inner dialogue, because boy, it's really hard to act confident <laughs> if, you know, you have a kind of garbage inner, inner dialogue with yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you're trashing yourself yeah. at every turn. And so a big piece of this is setting yourself up with some positive kind of inner dialogue. I use myself and with clients, um, short sound bites, you know, mantras to kind of uh, tune into that channel that you want to be tuned in, let's say, going into a job interview or mm-hmm. pitching a really exciting promote uh, proposal or a promotion, right? Things like, I belong here. Mm. That's, that's a huge one. Sometimes when we've been on a career break, we question, you know, how much we belong in a given place or with a new employer. And, and that's something I like to really uh, set in, in a positive, confident way from the beginning. I belong here. Mm-hmm. I, I act. I take bold action in spite of fear. Right. Fear, fear is not enough to dissuade me. You know, that comes across, I think, for example, when we're being interviewed, when we're being asked to talk about ourselves. A lot of people want to know, when did you take action? when it was daunting, or you were overwhelmed, or you were maybe fearful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think about just the context, like when I am about to go give a talk in front of an audience. And sometimes I think to myself, so approach this from a position of uh, curiosity, and, and learning your audience wants to learn, you want to engage with them, you're going to learn when you have this experience. And, and that is part of the talk that I give to myself when I'm prepping. Yeah, I love that to be curious about them. And I that's actually something we're going to get into a little bit as part of this whole executive presence kind of roadmap in a in a different filter that we look at. But I love the curiosity bent. You know, there's one other mantra I just want to put out there. I think this is applicable applicable to all kinds of relaunchers. If I take a wrong turn, I can write myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that may be a career step in the mud that you took. It may be, uh, you know, a blunder, let's say, in an interview. Maybe you meant to put something across one way and it came out a different way. Kind of reminding yourself, priming yourself that, hey, this is going to happen. It's normal for it to happen (laughs) to most people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can recover from it. I don't just have the skills to, you know, do things right once I can flex and adapt to situations and write myself. So I think, you know, again, priming yourself with those positive messages can go a long way to driving how you act, how mm-hmm. much you show up with executive presence. Yeah, I really like this last one. Like if I take a wrong turn, I can write myself. It feels like you're almost like you're taking the pressure off a little bit. You are. Not too much. But a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, just like a cat, right? Always lands on its four feet. You know, we're all faced with the unexpected. Lots of employers are watching not so much, you know, what happens, like we were talking about, um, Carol, but how you handle it. Not so much what happens, but how you handle it. So Mm -hmm. expect, expect some bumps. 
you know, expect that you may need to smooth out a situation, that you may need to regain your composure. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I think it puts you in more of a power position, actually, uh, when you expect it. Um, But there's another thing that's really important with how you act. And I think a lot of us, uh, you know, see this as synonymous with executive presence, which is, you know, leaders, executives are often decisive. You know, they're, they're, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've ever been like me, Carol, where you're stuck in a group conversation about what to eat for dinner, (laughs) that goes on and on and on, right? It feels never ending. And in a lot of ways, that happens in the workplace. Lots of the time, people might waffle or waver. Um, And often it is the person who commands authority, who steps up and decides that stands out, right? Because mm-hmm. indecision is kind of a form of decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something exactly. we're telling other people about ourselves. So part of how you act with executive presence is to make some bold bets. Mm-hmm. And, and you can be a more decisive person starting small. You know, I know this can sound to some people maybe like, a daunting proposition to suddenly become you know, very, very decisive, very right. authoritative. But you can do this in small bites. You can challenge yourself even that, you know, I'm going to decide in one minute, um, you know, what I'm going to go get for breakfast this morning. I can um, make these small time limited experiments to let myself get even better at this. So this means doing things like making public commitments about something. Mm, mm -hmm. If you vouch for something that you're hearing about in an interview, making that clear, you know, showing you're decisive or being able to say something like, I recommended to my team, we, we go with option A, not B. I vouched for. I'm ready to commit to. You know, notice how those Mm. sound decisive, not wishy-washy, right? Not uh, like we're waffling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's certain language you're saying that you use to illustrate decisiveness. Like I, I guess um, when, when you're talking about how you might've directed your team, maybe you're in a job interview and they're asking you a question. So you're saying you're exhibiting that decisiveness by that description and the words you're choosing. That's absolutely right. So not the watered down terms, but really showing that you put support behind, let's say, mm-hmm. a direction, a decision. Um, that stands out. That stands mm-hmm. out um, as somebody who makes big decisions. And, and by the way, don't underestimate, you know, none of us should underestimate, everybody is winging it. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. <laughs> so yeah. remember that. You remember that. Forget. Yeah. All right. So we just talked about self-confidence or the filter around how you act. Now I want to look at the second filter, which is self-expression or how you talk. And then the third filter we'll we'll look at together after that one is self-presentation, how you look, how you look. Um, So this second filter is really about how you speak how much you speak with passion and conviction, let's say, so that you're believable. 
Um, but it's also how much you tailor your message to the audience, that specific audience in front of you. And it's even about how you handle those wonderful curveballs, right? The blunders, mm-hmm. the zip ups um, that, that we were mentioning earlier. So those are some of the things that really matter around how you talk, how you put across your ideas. Okay, so I just want to um, keep myself organized when I'm thinking about this. So I really like how you break down executive presence into how you act, how you talk, and how you look. And so we talked about the self-confidence piece, how you act, and now we're moving into the self-expression piece, how you talk. And as, as you're saying, what words you choose, how you handle different situations. That's exactly right, Carol, because there are uh, words you use that make a difference. You know, I love saying to people, how do you tell it so that you sell it? You know, mm. and, and that's part of what you want to be thinking about here. So one of the shifts I like to help people think about is shifting from kind of per- permission seeking or even hedging language to stronger, more confident language. And so I could give you a few examples of that. Um, You know, if you think about somebody who's potentially in a, let's say, a a hiring situation or a job interview or an exploratory call, one of the things you can do to put that confident language forward is to move away from some of your if language Mm -hmm. toward when language. Okay. And, And so when you do this, you know, when you speak with the ifs, it can feel like all your ideas are hypothetical and frankly, unlikely to happen. When you shift towards more of kind of when language, you know, once XYZ is implemented or when we modify the policy rather than if we do it, you're, you're speaking with assumptive language, language that assumes a green light or assumes mm-hmm. positive forward movement and momentum. And that can be powerful, all right? So think about in your own language, if you can move from the ifs, the hypothetical, to more sure-footed when or once, you know, once X is mm. implemented language. That's, I think, a, a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about um, for relaunchers who are, are working already and they're in the early weeks of their relaunch. They've, they've just gone back to work and, you know, they're in situations where they're on teams and relaunchers will report that they're really afraid to ask a question because they don't want to be perceived as, as not knowing something or dumb or like, why did we hire this person? And so there's this hesitation to ask a question in the first place. And there's also a hesitation to put forth your opinion about something because you you feel like you're too new or you don't have the full context. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about how long you're more of a listener and an observer before you get into a situation where you feel comfortable using some of these strategies. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And I can certainly relate to that feeling on a new team, let's say, or, you know, in some of my past roles being brand new. Um, You know, in that case, I would share with people what you're basing it on. 
you know, let mm. them in on what you're basing it on. It might be, hey, based on the data in front of us, you know, it looks like we will modify this policy or mm-hmm. based on my 10 years of experience in advertising, right? Maybe you're pulling from your wide bank of experience, not just what you're seeing at this job, but maybe broader trends and forces. So I think that's one way uh, you can get over that is it's not that you've got to give the most definitive answer on the planet, but, you know, let people in on how you're thinking about this issue or solution or uh, position you're taking. You know, I'm basing it on X. Mm-hmm. The one other one I think you can do a powerful pivot in your language, even as a newer person, is moving from can language um, to more of let's, let's mm-hmm. language. I mm-hmm. noticed a difference in closing business, even myself as a business owner, in shifting some of that language. And so, you know, I'm talking about, let's say you're meeting with a new team that you're on and, and you're kind of negotiating together on a timeline, you know, instead of, hey, can we meet again to discuss this further? Mm-hmm. You know, what does that sound like to you, Carol, when I say, can we? You're asking for permission and maybe the other person, you're leaving it open. That's right. That's right. And maybe it's a little unclear to know where I stand exactly mm-hmm. on the issue. Um, mm. So a, a different way to say it is let's set up another meeting to define the action items we have left. Right. 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 It's, it's creating momentum, just hearing the word let's. It's a little thing, but it can show that leadership presence, right? Where you're taking a stand. It's kind of an extension of what we were talking about before with being decisive. Yeah. And I, I can see how that could be especially effective in sales, like when you're trying to move things forward, um, having, because usually that's in the closing part of the conversation. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's it's a really powerful influencing technique mm, in a, in a lot like of ways. The one other thing I think is really important here to think about is, you know, as you speak and, and think about some of the keywords you're going to put in front of people to really think about your audience. And I have a, an acronym I love that's easy to remember for this, but it's GPS, just like you okay. have in your phone and maybe in your car. Um, And that stands for goals, passions, and struggles. Mm. What is that employer's goals, passions, or struggles? Or maybe the person you're having an informational phone call with. Um, Do you have a read on some of those things? Maybe you only have a read on one of those things. But using your language, you can connect to some of those things that matter to your audience. Hmm. Maybe you know, for example, the employer um, is struggling to compete with some of their competitors on a specific issue, or, or they have a passion to get better at a specific issue. You know, calling that out in, in words, using terminology, strong terminology that shows, I get that. You know, I I get what you're most hyper-focused on at this moment Mm -hmm. in time. So I think that's a great one. You can pepper, you know, some of your words with uh, those terms that are most meaningful to them 
Right. And I'm, I'm just also trying to think, so I'm thinking about two stages of relaunching the part where you're in the job search and then also the part where you've already moved into your role and, and you're on the job and how some of that same language could be effective there too. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, you know, often it's scary when you're newly in a role and somebody puts you in a hot seat situation right? Mm -hmm. You're not totally prepared for it. Hey, Carol, can you give us a report out on XYZ initiative, you know, and you weren't Mm -hmm. ready. One thing I love to recommend to people is a framework there, which Mm -hmm. is what, so what, now what? Oh, I like this. Okay, can you repeat that again? Sure. So once again, when you're in a hot seat situation and you're reaching for a framework to kind of organize your thoughts quickly and your words, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you can use what, so what, now what. Mm. And so the what is, you know, once again, using that example, hey, can you can you tell us, Carol, what's, uh, what's the latest with XYZ Project? Right. You know, you might say the what, right? What happened? What are the key facts? You know, currently we're dealing with, currently we're faced with. And you're Mm -hmm. giving, you know, that brief summary of the facts right now. So what? My take on that is this is your really tight, short analysis or opinion on the what (laughs) you just reported Mm -hmm. on, right? Why should, Mm -hmm. why does it matter really? And then now what? This is you using your awesome expertise to advise folks on the next step, on Mm -hmm. the next action. So you might wrap it all up with, I recommend, you know, you've given them Mm -hmm. the currently we're faced with, my take on that is, and I recommend we. Mm. I hope everyone's noting this uh, example. So wait, what what did you say about the first one? Uh, the current status is what did you how did you word that? Yeah, so currently we're faced with currently we're faced with. Okay. And then the second one is my take on this is that's right. Okay. And then what's the third one? I recommend. Okay. Oh, I'm taking notes. This is, I'm this so is great. glad. And I have one more for you. I think you're going to really like just as we talk on this verbal piece on the, the how you talk, because listen, this is something we're all trying to get better at, you mm-hmm. know, whether you're a relauncher or you're not. Most people want to do better at this hot seat, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. kind of speaking. And so one of the other things you can do, and a lot of folks learn this in media training, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. is to paraphrase a tough question you might get using kind of your own frame. So don't always Mm -hmm. feel like just because they ask a question, you know, of course, in their frame, that you need to answer it that exact way. And I'll give, you, mm. I'll give you a quick example. Again, you're, you're that new person, let's say, Carol, brand new on a team, but you're owning a project. And somebody says, hey, uh, Carol, tell us about the color green. Mm-hmm. You could say, you could validate that person. You could say something like, you know, the color green's really important. But what customers are asking us most about right now is the color red. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. that's how you could segue to either something you know better or something maybe you deem more relevant, let's say. But it's a really smart way to signal executive presence, right? Because we're all going to get rattling questions. We're all mm-hmm. going to feel like we're in that hot seat and frankly, underprepared. So when mm-hmm. you use you know, these frameworks, when you remind yourself, wait, I have some control here in how I answer. I'm not just stuck with you know, this question exactly as it's phrased. Um, it reminds you, I think, of some of your power and some of your, your ability to flex, that you mm-hmm. have options. And that's powerful. Mm, that is great. Thank you. Um, Selena, I have some more questions for you. And um, oh, actually, wait a minute. We haven't gone to the third filter sure. yet. We Let's do that. And yeah. then I have a few more questions. Absolutely. So I know we got really excited about how you talk, right? The self-expression part. Yeah. Let's talk about the self-presentation piece, the how you look piece. You know, it's funny. In every workshop I do on executive presence, I say to people, what's the first thing you notice about people's appearance? Hmm. And it's surprising what people say. They don't say, the cut of the shirt or, you know, the (laughs) brand of the suit or, you know, anything like that. Interestingly, 90% of responses tend to fall around. They look comfortable in their skin. Mm -hmm. They look at ease in their body. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things I don't make it a practice to do is tell people how to dress. Um, You know, I'm not here to say, you know, just dress like Michelle Obama or this person or, you know, mm-hmm. and and you can you can cookie cutter your way to a great appearance. You know, I, I really don't believe that. Um, what I do believe is that you should bring some of your you-ness, you know, your uniqueness mm. to your appearance. This is one of the ways you're expressing yourself after all. And mm-hmm. I think you're memorable when you you uh, present yourself in such a way that that it reflects your personality, your taste, your style. So I want to encourage you to do you <laughs> when it comes right. to self-presentation. Um, but I do want to share one study I think is really special and remarkable um, from Northwestern University. And it actually found that when people wore uh, a white doctor's lab coat in in Mm -hmm. a research experiment, this is clothing, by the way, that most of us associate with care and attentiveness. It actually improved people's performance in tests of those two things, of care and attentiveness. So we kind of act up. (laughs) based on how we're dressed. And and my takeaway there for people is, you know, dress to impress yourself. What makes you feel like the best version of you? Yeah. And I I love when you said you-ness, I just want to emphasize you're meaning Y-O-U-N-E-S-S. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And what I mean by that, you know, because it's a funny word, isn't it? Is bringing your originality, Mm -hmm. you know, not feeling I'm going to give people the diet Pepsi version of me, but really bringing your full 
technicolor self into these situations. Um, so I, I want to say, I think that's a really important part of how you uh, put yourself across. Um, there was a time in my career where I really muted myself. I love bright colors. I love bright colors, not just because I don't want to be seen from outer space, but it it energizes me. It really mm -hmm. does. And And there was a time I didn't do that. And Guess what? I also muted my ideas and my contributions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd really encourage you to do the opposite. And, you know, listen, as we all move back into office life, maybe some of you are in that situation now. Maybe some are in a hybrid. Maybe some people are anticipating it. Um, you know, realize that some of that body language um, mastery still matters even if many of us are on Zoom, you know, the ability to make a, a strong entrance and, and glide into a, a meeting room, let's say, when you're sitting in that interview or you're coming in to meet your new team, mm -hmm. claiming that space at the table, really claiming your seat at the, the grown-ups table, not, not the kids' table or the outer rung of chairs, but, right. really, you know, owning your seat as a valued member of the team. Right. And uh, uh, Selena, you you started to talk a little bit about um, video and, uh, you know, the pandemic. And I wanted to get into that in a little more detail before we close, um, because, you know, there are some of us who are either going to remain in a work from home situation and do most of our interaction in our relaunched roles on video or on Zoom or Teams or WebEx, you know, and one of these platforms. Um, and then some of us will have a hybrid, as you're saying, where some will, times we'll be on video, sometimes we'll be in person. But is there anything about executive presence and how you project it or how you have it um, when, when you are in a video setting as opposed to being an in-person setting? Keeping in mind that our relaunchers that were hired this year, as were as people who did not have career breaks, were largely hired in the last year without ever meeting anyone in person. Uh, so they're recruited, hired, onboarded on their teams. They've never met anyone in person um, in that whole process. So any commentary about how you would tweak the recommendations because you could be on video exclusively or largely in the future. Yeah, I do have some ideas, um, you know, best practices. And I think a lot of us learn this from seeing a not good way to do it. You know, we've mm -hmm. also seen maybe somebody who is hard to see or poorly lit, let's say on Zoom. And, and so we can learn from both. But some of my advice is, Really claim your whatever it is, six by two inch, you know, uh, rectangle. Really own that box. And what I mean by that is make yourself prominent, make yourself very easy to see, right? Embrace what your mama gave you and <laughs> let people fully see you. Some of the ways you can do that are make sure you're well lit, really, mm -hmm. that you're easy to see. Um, you can aim for a straight ahead camera angle. I recommend that to people. So rather than your camera towering over you and you looking up mm. or your camera being below you and you looking down, 
you know, aim for that straight ahead camera angle. Um, Mm -hmm. It has a way of mimicking real life better than the other two. Another thing I'd say is, is avoid prolonged muting. I'm not a big fan of it. I know sometimes it can make the actual, you know, sound, you know, improved when people go on mute. But just because your line needs to be muted doesn't mean you should be your contribution, you know, what you have to say. And sometimes when we mute as a default, you know, guess what? Our answers uh, then have a lag. And that's, it's not always the best reflection, you know, Mm -hmm. on a person when there's a lag. Oh, sorry, I had to get off mute. Or, oh, sorry, I was talking and I didn't realize I was on mute. Right. You know, so save yourself that lag by, you know, being fully present and kind of ready to chime in. The one other thing I'd say is give yourself a challenge. If this is something, you know, that's hard for you to to get in and get visible, let's say, on a Zoom meeting, give yourself a challenge that, you know, I would like to ask at least one question during this meeting. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a big picture question for the group or maybe maybe it's a clarifying question or you know maybe you give yourself a different challenge i'd like to build off at least one person's idea or give my own original idea at least one mm-hmm. but but give yourself that it can really help you get over you know the fear of is what i have to say important enough mhm wow selena there's so much here and there's so much to talk about and i feel like we did just scratch the surface but we got a lot of really great practical advice and i love having the language examples and the dialogue i find that to be so incredibly helpful so uh, that was wonderful and i want to um wrap up by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we have already talked about today? I'll share with you something that's been my hardest one lesson, just for me personally, um, and I encourage you to think about it. Don't underestimate what you can do and overestimate what everyone else can do. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. trust in that value you bring and then get as comfortable speaking about that value as speaking your name. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is so important, especially for relaunchers. And it's something that sometimes we have to practice over and over again and get ourselves in that mindset. And ultimately that happens uh, because there is that tendency to come in feeling like you're undervaluing valuing yourself. So really glad that, that you put that out there as a goal for the audience. Yeah. Selena, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, can you tell us how our audience can find out more about your work? Yes, I would love to hear from you all. And you can find me at selinaresvani.com. And I'm going to spell that for you. It's S-E-L-E-N-A-R-E-Z-V-A-N-I.com. Um, that's my website, and you'll find my LinkedIn learning courses on my site, uh, including executive presence. I would encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn, where I'm really quite active, 
and where I have a brand new newsletter all about building confidence. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And how uh, appropriate, I think, right now as a, as a follow-up for everyone who's listening to this. Selena, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Carol, for your awesome work and just being such a great supporter. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. For more information on I Relaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.